I cannot believe it. Empowered is officially available in the Amazon store. The pre-order is over and now is your time to get it. Guys, it has five stars on Amazon and is the top 100 of journals. I'm like over the moon about this. Like I thought it was such a crazy time to be putting out a book, but in turn, it turns out that it's like the best time. People are seeking less confusion, more clarity, more empowerment in their lives. And if you are looking for that, head on over to the link in the show notes and check it out. I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. Well, this is pretty cool because um, I was on your radio show like right when the whole COVID thing happened, and now you're yes. on my show. So this is awesome. It's like it's like the pain it forward thing, but really you're yes. paying it forward to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no, no, that's that, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> um, so, Randy, talk to me a little bit about how you're doing right now tell me a little bit about you know share with the listeners what you what you do and what you got going on and all about chew radio and kind of all that stuff okay so my my name is randy curtis my uh my radio personality as as they say is randy chu c-h-o-o i have uh the true radio station um which is an actual radio station that has multiple podcasts on it um my specific radio show on there is the chew on that show which is tuesday nights at 8 30 eastern standard time um i do a lot of things um oh man a lot of things i'm a former nsa cia employee i'm a former uh i, I have a, a security company i do web design i do a lot of community work feeding people clothing people um we partner with the local politicians in, in the state of maryland uh, trying to bring, uh, establish a relationship between the, um, the what we would call the project areas and the local police force. Like I do a lot of great uh, things around, just all around where I live, because I, I really feel like if you're not better than other people, then what what is your purpose here? And that's my purpose is to make everyone better um, through just the gifts that I feel like uh, God has given me. You know. Yeah. So good. So good. Like I love, you know, every light worker I meet, they, they've got like 17 different hats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it just must be something that, that, um, I don't know, there must be something about that, that we just feel like this desire to like branch out in as many ways as possible. Um, so what state are you in? I'm in the state of Maryland. Um, which okay. is East coast. Yeah. Is that the little one at the tip? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not yeah. saying that I sucked and like geography or anything, but yes, yes, that's us. That's us right there. You, you know, as Californians, the whole United States revolves around us. Yes, yes. You guys in New York, y'all two other. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. One of the things that uh, that we talked about. So I want to just kind of tell you, like, this is literally the first time 
doing this podcast that I don't have an agenda and I have no show notes. And yeah, it was kind of intentional though. Like, I, I mean, I knew for a couple of days we were going to talk, but I really felt like, uh, you know, the messaging that I'm receiving is that now's the time to kind of listen to what others have to say and, um, maybe not show up with such an agenda. What do you think about agendas right now? I know you've talked about that on your radio show too. What do you think about agendas? I think, I think agendas are, are good. However, if it hinders the flow of something, for example, you can have an agenda set for today's show and we can start the dialogue the way that your agenda says, but if we continue into a dialogue and it's building and your audience is, is feeling it and we all have the same vibration, we can't stop that vibrancy to follow a script. Um, Agreed. Yeah. And, and that's what I, that's how I feel about agendas. Agendas are, are supposed to be like the roadblocks, but it's not supposed to direct the flow of traffic. Um, and that's, and that's, that's why on my show, I have a format, but if the, if the conversation is juicy and we're there, screw the format, we're going to go until it dies out, you know? Nice. Uh, nice. <laughs> I like that. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, I've had a, I've had a couple of interviews where, and that's, that's totally my approach in general too. Like, just like, let's see what, un- what unfolds and just be here now kind of thing. I have had a couple of interviews though, I will say, um, that were not vetted very well. And it was like pulling teeth to get the person oh, to talk. No. Oh, that was the worst <laughs> hour. It was so painful. Yeah. 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 Um, although right now I feel like in general, people have a lot to say, so this is good. Um, and, and ironically, I don't know if it's just what's happening in my astrological world or what, but I'm kind of in a space of not having a lot to say. So it's, it's kind of good timing for me, you know, it's, oh, wow. it's oh, wow. yeah. And ironically, I've had, um, my astrologer on this podcast before, cause I see her quarterly and she told me this is back in February that I was going into a quiet time. So <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if it's because she told me or if it just really felt, but you know, I just kind of feel like it's all synergistic. It all kind of plays together. So tell me a little bit about Marilyn right now, as far as COVID fears are going, as far as protesting, what's the state of your nation right now there? So Marilyn, um, and, and, for those that are listening, please don't take this as, as me being boastful or arrogant or prideful. I'm just stating facts. Um, Maryland right now, um, we've, we've had some peaceful protests. We've had some walks. But these protests have been in partnership with the police departments and partnership with the local politicians. Um, because before George Floyd, we already were fighting towards accountability on all fronts. Um, oh, wow. And so, because I'm, I'm a person, I believe in being proactive, not reactive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and pre-planning prevents problems. So, um, <laughs> I'm, we've always been um, very aggressive in making sure that we have things lined up so that uh, things like a George Floyd won't happen in our, in our little region. Um, now, I can't speak for the whole state of Maryland, but just for Anne Arundel County, where I'm at, uh, which has about three to four different cities uh, in that county area. Um, you know, we're actually doing pretty, pretty okay. Like the food, the, it, we have food deserts, um, but my uh, organization has been 
uh, helping uh, supply the people that live in those food deserts. And we were doing this before the pandemic hit. It's just the pandemic has highlighted our work and gave us, and it gave us more volunteers. You, you find a lot of people coming together in times like this, and you have a bunch of people who are just like crazy scared of COVID. Then you have those people that are like, it doesn't exist. And we're like, yeah, we know the ins and outs and the conspiracies and all that. But at the end of the day, no matter if it's man-made or God-made, it's still a virus. You still have to protect yourself. Yeah, we know certain things um, is a waste of time and other things are very important. But at the end of the day, it's about the overall objective of everyone being healthy, everyone being fed, everyone being clothed. And if you can't get along, get on those terms, then I can't have you around my organization or anything that we're doing because, again, at the end of the day, my children have to live in a society where they're welcome. I'm black. Um, my children are black. And we, they have to be protected. They have to be uh, be treated. I want them to be treated according to their character um, and not their color. But the only way to do that is to make sure that we have dialogue, discussion, there be accountability on both parties. And um, yeah, we don't have to do what Seattle's doing. We, 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 we have a pretty strategic, peaceful method on how we can hold everything up in our, in our little local region. <laughs> I, I really like a couple of things you said. Um, one of them, I, I, I'm, I'm an often sayer of the phrase lack of planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on mine. So yes. <laughs> yeah. I really like the idea of being, re, you know, proactive rather than reactive. I, I think, um, you know, I see just being a psychotherapist, mostly people come to me in reaction mode, right? Like we're about to get a divorce because we didn't do any of this proactive communication or boundary setting and all of this and that. So I'm, I'm a big fan of like, um, I'm not going to fix your marriage in one session. Yeah. You, yeah. To, you, you know, know, a lot of, I know a lot of people are afraid of pre-planning. I've found this out and they may not voice it, but you'll see that they're afraid of pre-planning. It's almost in a sense, like certain people are, are, prone or or they or they think that life isn't going they have like this this fear of everything going good that they invite the drama sometimes um and i I didn't mean to cut you off what you were saying i just that just sparked something in me when you said that um a lot of people don't a lot of for example in the dating in the dating scene a lot of guys won't set boundaries because they just want to impress the woman so much and the woman just wants the man so much. So you don't have those healthy dialogues about, okay, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. And setting those boundaries. This is what I feel is disrespectful. This is how I was raised to treat a woman or how to treat a man. And working in those fields to become one as you're dating or getting married or whatever. People are afraid of having that kind of upfront, honest dialogue. Yep. I completely agree. I, I, I see it all the time. And, and I think that that upfront dialogue and being afraid to have it is exactly what's, what's playing out right now in the nation. Truly. Yeah. I mean, we've been so afraid. We've been tiptoeing around these conversations for so long uh, that now we're just, we're just in kind of fight mode. And, and I don't, I don't really see personally, it's my personal belief, but I just can't ever advocate for anger, violence, and hatred. It's just, just not, just not part of my makeup, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, I think, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. What were you going to no, say? No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
week. Well, I was I was gonna switch to something else you said, so you could hear me no, go going switch, around. Switch to it. I'm <laughs> I'm in your world right now. <laughs> I was just gonna say that uh, I I really liked something else that you said. You said I want my children to treat people and and be treated for their character, not their color. And I love that. And I think kids are so naturally good at that. They they're so naturally able to assess people for their hearts and uh, look past a lot of other things. And I, and I think that what you said is just really beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm actually writing uh, and I'm almost finished. I'm writing my true noble truths book Uh, (laughs) um, because, you know, you have the noble truths um, that are out there and, but I have the true noble truths and i feel like you said what you said earlier about you being in a in a in a kind of a quiet space or a silent listening space um is actually uh i'm not going to give the whole book out but it's part one of the true noble true steps um it, it obviously the universe is is calling you to evolve into a greater uh platform a greater you obviously there's something that you have to do that the universe need you to push out into the environment that you're in um and it's causing you to go through what i would call the four steps of true noble truth transformation um and you're in the first phrase of that which is quietness stillness listening evaluating how to find peace um how to cut certain conversations or certain people off or how to cut yourself off from yourself um, you know, the whole, <laughs> honestly, that's usually my problem. I, I... <laughs> it's usually happening all within a radius of one inch from my mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I start reading stuff and getting fired up and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm only just making myself upset. Like, that's not, that's not helpful. It's not productive, you know? Yeah. 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 So the the noble the noble truth that this is this is awesome because this is one of the things that I was on your show to talk about a little bit. We had awesome dialogue that day. It was so great. Um, how many are there in your in your book? So there's eight in my book. Um, okay. There's eight true noble truths in my book, um, and there's it's a four step process. Each step have two have two true noble truths attached to it. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. So like the quiet phase has two steps. Yes. So yes, yes. The quiet phase has two steps and I, I'll give you those steps, but I can't give you no more. Yeah. Until the book is. So the first, the first part of quietness that I think everyone talks about the meditation or the yoga or the sitting and observing yourself, evaluating yourself and all that. But the one thing that people don't highlight is, or that I feel like most people don't highlight, I'm not, um, I'm going to use a phrase that I use on my radio show, um, some banal, which means I'm talking, I'm not talking, I'm talking about a majority and not all. It's not an absolute, but it's the majority of, so it's some, but not all. So I say some banal. But anyway. Um, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> just, just abbreviates. It keeps things moving quicker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other step, so the other uh, part of the, the silent phrase, after you've done the, the listening and, and, and to yourself and the quieting and the meditation and the yogas or whatever else uh, people 
have so commonly and trendedly do um, is actually to dialogue with your adversary. Mm. Uh, dialoguing with your adversary is a cheat sheet to self-evaluation. Um, and oftentimes we've been taught to hate our enemy. We've been taught to, to cut them out of our private space. But sometimes you need your hater, you need your enemy to keep you on your toes enough for self-improvement. Um, because even if you disagree with what they say and how they view you, it, there's an underlining factor that will always keep you humble. And that is every single human being wants to be appreciated, celebrated, and feel a part of something. And no matter how strong-willed a person is, at the end of their life, they always wish that everyone that they met appreciated, valued, honored, respect, and included them in their life some way, shape, or form. And this is how we can break the cycle of hatred and walk into what I call divine love. And that is, even my enemy has a voice in my life. Um, there's, there's a lot of religious books out there, and I'm going to quote from the Bible. The Bible says to love your enemy, pray for your enemy, serve your enemy. Why? Because in doing that, you are actually growing yourself. Mm -hmm. You're lo loving someone that loves you has no reward. But when you love someone that hates you, you have transcended that which is natural. And that's the second step to in the in the quiet phase of the true noble truth. I dropped that off on you. Yeah, I as you were talking, I was just feeling triggered by so many posts that I've seen from people saying, uh, you know, just hollering out kind of hate hate words and things like that and if if we were to switch it up and holler out a little bit of love it, it, it's it comes from such a deeper place to love thy enemy yes and i've yes. seen this i you know i've i've had a a mother who who lost her child to a drunk driving accident and you know she shows up broken broken yeah and she absolutely could let anger take over and hatred for that person take over but instead she works, she digs deep, she finds compassion and empathy. And that is so much more powerful, healing, rewarding than, than spewing out the hatred. And, and, and I've seen this time and time again in many different scenarios. That's just an extreme version of it. But yeah, um, I wish that that message could come across for people because one of the things that I've noticed is everything is so loud right now. You know, yeah. everything yeah. is so loud. Yeah. Um, and you know, even when, even when clients show up and there's, then they show up in an angry space like that, I say, I'm going to give you five minutes to be pissed off. Yeah. You, you yeah. go ahead and you do that. And then as soon as this five minutes is done, we're going to talk about some, we're going to talk about a way that we're going to move forward with positive change. Yeah. Something See, that's good. You that's, know? that's, that's, that's perfect because, you know, anger or what I called unusual happiness is a deflection of the reality that's going on on the inside of that person. Um, and until someone knows, they have to understand that, first of all, suffering is a part of existing. Um, pain is just an indicator of what's wrong. It's not the actual thing that's wrong. Um, if I feel pain in my, in my legs, 
um, the pain in of itself is not the problem. It could be my calf is torn or I have an ACL that's ripped or, or whatever. That is the actual root of the pain. The pain is just an alarm to say something is wrong. Yeah. And truth is only controversial in an environment that's governed by lies. And, right. <laughs> and so, and so if you, if, 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 if you speak in the truth and love is looked on as hatred, you can't, it, you can't back down from the truth. Um, and we live in a society today where if you disagree with me, then it's automatically viewed as hatred or you're my enemy. If we have a disagreement, I'm cut from a different cloth. If we have a disagreement, cool and we can agree to disagree or we can sit down like grown adults and hash out our disagreements so that I can see your perspective you can see my perspective and if there's a middle ground let's meet it but uh, yeah sorry I was just gonna say this is exactly what we teach our son you know he'll, he'll get upset about something he doesn't like how it's going and we say no hey we don't throw a fit yeah we're gonna have a discussion we're gonna have a negotiation we're gonna talk about it we're gonna come up with a solution you don't sit here and throw a fit that's not how this works <laughs> you know? yeah. i mean you certainly won't do that in you know in your workplace when your boss tells you to do something you don't want to do yeah you know so yes. you've got to learn that from a, a young age and i'll tell you i have learned more from the people that i disagreed wholeheartedly with by listening than anybody i've ever agreed with yes yes if if you're not challenged on your current beliefs, your current mindset, then you're not growing as a human being. Um, and that's part of the silent phase um, is challenging your current mindset. How can you truly say that what you know to be truth if it's never been challenged? How can you truly say you love a person if that love has never been challenged? How can you say you can remain faithful to someone if you've never been in a situation that requires you to be faithful? And this is what the current society makes you run from, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So. yeah. If, if somebody doesn't agree, then walk on the other side of the street. Yes. yes. And that's not how it should be going. I completely agree. You're spot on with that. You know, and this is one of the reasons that I'm not a big fan of, of political parties in general either. Most people listen to the show know that by now that I, I believe for independent thinking on the, on the topic, on, on the policy, on what it is, not, Oh, because I'm red or blue, I have to take a side. You know, I always say I'm purple. That's what happens when you blend those two colors together. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I think that it's important that um, you know how we have these dialogues is by putting down the labels that we've assigned to ourselves. And yes. and labels is a big thing. I always always get frustrated when a client comes in and says, so my doctor diagnosed me with bipolar disorder or borderline personality disorder, whatever, name the label, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. I'm like, what's that label doing for you? How is that helping you right now? You know, it is, it doesn't make, does it normalize it for you? Because if, if you're getting some comfort from normalizing by a label, then maybe we should be looking at why, (laughs) you know? Yes. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting you say that because um, I often say that, um, well, first, on the political side, uh, if, if you're left wing or right wing, you're still on the same bird. Right. That's how I look at it. <laughs> you so, got to have two wings yeah, to fly. fly. Hello. Um, and, <laughs> I like that. I like and, that. And, and if you look at the etymology of the word democracy, if you get it from the old Latin, 
it's demos crassi, which is the rulership or the guardianship of demons. Um, so I don't prescribe to <laughs> democracy or I don't prescribe to a republic. Uh, I, I describe to the individual. Um, that's how I look at it. Um, and for what you just said about labels, oh my God, let me just tell you, part of the true noble uh, truth in the book I'm writing, um, I literally break down how words are curses. That's why they call it spelling. And when you say a bad word, they call it cursing or swearing. So uh -huh. when you when when you are saying when you are using words, it's what the Bible says: life and death is in the power of the tongue. Because when you use words or put labels on something, you're commanding or demanding it to become that. Um, um, also, we have this manifest things into existence or speak those things that are not as though they are. Is because words have creative power. So if I say that, if I wake up in the morning, I look in the mirror and say, wow, I'm sexy. Guess what? In about a month, can't nobody else tell me I'm not sexy. If I, if I truly start believing the spell that I'm putting over myself, which is why you can have people that follow cult leaders and all those things. They're like, when they break out of that spell, they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I was following this person. I was doing this thing or I believe this, this way. Why? Because you are under a spell, which is why music has frequency to it. There's a certain frequency to each music to get your body to respond to it. So when you want to be romantic, you put on some slow music and some things like that. When you want to party, you put music up that's uppity. <clears throat> when you're at a wow. funeral, you play certain types of music because music helps create the environment for the words or the spell to manifest themselves. Wow. I hadn't really thought about this before. I'm not going to lie. This is a new concept. Spells as words. I mean, I'm a wordsmither. And I've been <laughs> spelling people. I've been casting spells <laughs> day in and day out. But no, you're right. I mean, it's funny. When I think about certain things that I've said or written or quotes that I've created or something, and people say it's powerful, it's a spell. Yes. Whoa. Yes. Which wow. is why, which is why people, there's a phrase that was called drunken love or love is blind or love will make you do crazy things. Why? Because love is a spell. Love is, is so powerful that you can go to someone who's felt hatred in their whole life and your deeds can bring a easiness to them. But the moment they hear you say, I love you, they break on the inside because it's yeah. so words are just that powerful. Think about how we interact with our children. If they never hear you say, good job, awesome, great, it affects the esteem in which they grow up in. So true. And you know what's crazy is, and I see this, you know, children are such a great reflection too, but my son, he's so much harder on himself than, than, than me or my husband ever ever could be you know it's like he already decided in his mind that that wasn't the best choice he doesn't need us to come around behind him and say that was that was crappy 
you know, he doesn't <laughs> right. need that. That's like, that's like worsening the spell. Like those words can just really dig deep because he already is feeling it inside. He already knows. Like we have that inside of us. All of us do. Have, have you been, have you been, uh, have you hacked my computer and been reading what I've been writing? <laughs> no, but I'm excited to read this book. When's it going to be coming out? So I'm trying to have it out by Christmas. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's I'm trying great. to, trying to finish everything and have it out by Christmas. Um, and so I'm, I'm working extremely hard, but you know, um, all of the community work and things that I've, that I've been doing, um, sometimes pick, take a damper on my day. And so when I get home, I just want to kick my feet up. Um, Absolutely. But you know, so you just said something again, by the way, that was so powerful quote unquote, <laughs> um, <laughs> is that I want to highlight this because, um, mindsets information and characteristics and pain and happiness is all passed down through blood um and so you have to be able to challenge your bloodline um and what i mean by that is you have to as as a son i have to look at my mother and my father and say what was their strengths what was their weaknesses what were their struggles what did they conquer what what things intimidated them? What things that they were they overconfident in? And I have to realize that no matter my experience in life, that's been passed down to me. And so I have to confront it, so that my children won't have to confront it. Um, for example, there's some people that are so strong strong minded that if their parents were alcoholics, they would never drink alcohol. That comes from inside of themselves challenging the bloodline without them even realizing it. It's actually a God-given gift that we've been given as human beings, but because society has dumbed us down, um, we don't tap into it often. We like to be victims of what we experience instead of being conquerors of what we experience. That's why suffering, we have to teach our uh, everyone that suffering is a part of life and you can't always be the victim and everything you have to learn how sometimes to walk as a conqueror um, and not walk as a victim. For example, if if my biological father wasn't in my life until I was in my twenties, does not give me the excuse or the wherewithal to act out in a certain manner. And when I have children, now I got five kids, but when I have when I have my children, I know how to be a father to them. Um, why? Because I was able to confront my bloodline. Um, and that's something that we don't, we, we've been taught not to be honest with mommy and daddy. We've been taught not to confront mommy and dad. Oh, that's rude and disrespectful. No, you don't have to be rude and disrespectful and confronting them. Mama, you acted this way. Daddy, you acted this way. And why do you act this way? What is the history of my, of our family? What caused you to act this way? Um, and that, yeah. I, I just, I loved where you, what you're saying about the victim mentality. And I, and I see this all the time where we want to wear that, like a badge of honor. That yes. is not your badge of honor. Yes. That does not define you. That is a part of you. But what defines you is how you walk forward from yes. that victim experience. And, and I, and I said this recently in my e-journal. It's exactly what I said. So long as we're going to perpetuate a victim mentality, we're never going to take steps forward. 
Yes. And, and it's so true. I mean, you know, we want to blame and that's fine, but what's that doing for you? Yes. Nothing. Yes. Yes. So true. Yes. And, and on the other side of that coin, we're not, we are, well, I'm not saying um, that you don't hold people accountable for their actions or how they treated you. But what we are saying is you got to rise above it and, and go through it. You know what I'm saying? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Accountability. Yeah. Sure. You, yeah. yeah, you, this thing you did harmed me yes. and uh, and I'd really like it if you made amends for it, but if you don't, I'm still moving forward. I got to move forward. Yes. Yes. And that yes. forgiveness is for the individual, not for the person who caused the offense. True story. True story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, absolutely. And and that's what I say when people are having a tough time and they're carrying on this, uh, this anger and hatred for, for people and things in their life. It's like, you know, e- even with the Me Too movement, I'll put it out there. The way we move forward from that is by forgiving the person. And, and that's really hard to do. It's way harder to do than yes. to just continue to just be mad, you know? Yes. Yes. And, you know, you know, because of the society that we are in, um, men don't take the time to learn how to express gratitude for a woman's beauty without being abusive about it. Um, wow. Um, it's, it's, women are made beautiful so that men can admire it. That's the whole point. Like we get that. We, we understand in our nature as men, if you see beauty, you behold it, you love it. You're attracted to that beauty does not mean you're supposed to be intimate or have a close relationship with the individual or abuse your influence as a man to put that beautiful woman in an awkward situation. And men have to be taught that. And women have to be taught how to remember my phrase, some banal. <laughs> some women banal. Have, yes. Women have to learn how to be confident in their beauty without having to open their legs. Right. Um, yes. A modesty is, is, what do they say? Modest is hottest. Yes, yes, you know. That's the new phrase for the teenagers. So put some clothes on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have five. You have five kids. How many girls? I have two daughters. A twin girl. Twin girls. Yep. Oh boy. Yes. You're you're raising a you're raising a small team there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And, yep. And so these are all important messages that you're sharing with them. How are your kids seeing everything that's going on right now? What what are what are they saying to you? They they my my daughters they know what's going on, but they're not really paying attention. They're four years old, so they're like in their own little world. My 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 I have two sons. I have three sons. I have a ten year old, an eight year old, and I have a a year old uh, son. And the and the girls are four. My oldest son, my oldest son he sees everything that's going on and he wants, he, he, he wants to change it. And he's also afraid that something may happen to me. Um, and oh. I, and, and so I, I, I have to coach him through that and talk him through that because I have been a victim of uh, police brutality for no apparent reason, because I look like another black man and all that. So I, uh, but I also have worked for the government and I have family in law enforcement. So, um, I don't, I don't, str- I don't stride the middle. 
I stand on truth. And the truth is um, you're going to be singled out in certain parts in this country for being black and for being African-American, whether you're a criminal or whether you're not a criminal or whether if you're a clergy person or a banker or whatever, you're going to feel some type of racism and discrimination because the nation is just that in of itself. However, don't walk in fear and stand on truth and don't compromise yourself for anyone. If, if you're angry and upset, know how to handle that. Don't take that on innocent white folks who haven't done anything. Um, target that. Change policies. Um, target that. Change the community. Strengthen the black community. Strengthen your brothers and sisters so they, they won't be uh, out here being drug addicts and, and, and robbers and thieves. Um, change that in there, but also challenge the police. We need body cams. We need a, a, a citizen review board. We need the politicians to understand that we are a part of this society as well and study history, study history, study government programs, study how this nation began, study all of it and stand on truth. Don't get persuaded by the media. Don't get persuaded by the hype. Stand on truth and what's going on in your local region. Like I said, we're partnering with the black community the police department, the local politicians on how we can make sure that a situation like a George Floyd don't happen in our local region. If we can do that and harness that kind of, uh, that kind of vibration nationwide, we really could change now, now on both parties. There's going to be some black folks. That's not going to, that's not going to get in. It's not going to, it's going to be some white folks who are just not going to ever like black people in any type of position, what shape or form. But guess what? The white community can clean them out. Black community, we can clean our own backyard. It's not for a black person. It's not for a white person to come to the black community and say, your backyard's dirty. No, let the black leadership, which the mainstream media would tell you there is none, but there actually is. Um, they'll, take, they'll say there's no black leadership or the black people don't have an agenda um, or they don't, they're, they're out there just destroying everything. And not realizing that it's actually not us destroying everything and it's actually we do have an agenda and we do have leadership um it's just that the media wants the chaos to continue and so i teach my sons all these things and it's it's an emotional uh breakdown it's a mental breakdown it's a spiritual breakdown but at the end of the day that's the cost of being black in america you know, I, I was thinking as you were talking, like, uh, you know, what it took for me to become a psychotherapist and the oath to do no harm and just kind of all of that. And some, not some, what do you say? Some, but not some, but all some, but all. Yes, <laughs> police. Um, you know, they went into that field because they dealt with their own difficulties of maybe not being accepted and validated. And these things that you were talking about earlier that all people want. And, you know, again, not all. But if, if they're going into that field in that mindset that I have been hurt, then maybe they need a couple thousand hours counseling themselves before yes. they can become that. You know, that, that like, same like how psychotherapists have to go through that kind of level of training, you know, before you can have that kind of power over people's minds and lives, you know? Yes, yes. Um, and then I was also talk, thinking as you were talking about just... You know, what's sad, what's sad to me is that when, when God created this earth and all of the people in it, I mean, the reason that, at least this is my belief and understanding, the reason that people are different color is because of where they were living, like where they were 
you know, like as far as the sun and the geography and, and yes. what their skin needed from protection. Yes. From, so to me, it just seems so silly because in America, you know, it, the white people would, were not even the native color. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Yes. I mean, they were tan, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. and if we think about it like that, it seems so crazy to me to judge people for color when everything was so designed in such a beautiful way by this grand creator. You know, it, it's awesome you say that because um, if, if people study history, they will understand that the race white and the race black was created to keep us divided. Um, the, 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 the founding in the 1700s going into the early 1800s, you had a lot of poor whites that were supportive of freeing the slaves and helping the slaves revolt from the slave masters. So what the elites did, now listen to the wording, the elites, the higher ups, the ones who have the agenda that is controlling everything, uh, the currencies of the world and, and so forth, they were the ones who said, poor white person, you're better than this slave. We're gonna put you on, on the fraternity of slave patrol and have you, and we're going to pay you to help us catch runaway slaves. And you're, you're now going to be called white. And you're going to be given certain privileges above the slaves, even wow. though you're, you're poor. That's all a construct. It's systematic. And Oh, yeah. And well, and even the I've read recently, well, not recently, so a couple of years ago, I read it was actually my brother in law who told me a little bit about this, but uh, like the development of the projects as the projects actually yes. kept people in a situation where they weren't integrating it, it, together. Like yeah, it, it's, it's, it yes. was segregation clouded by socialism, like so, which is kind of crazy. That's, that's pop. So remember I used, I'm a former NSA CIA uh, employee. So a lot, every, what your brother-in-law told you is absolutely true. That's which is why it's called a project. It's an experiment. It's almost like <laughs> no, it, it really is. It's, it, it really not is. Not go right. <laughs> yeah, it's an experiment. What? What? How can we? How would people respond if we place them in conditions that are like a psych ward? If you have eighty people living in a tall building, um, and with poor living conditions, poor food in their neighborhoods, um, and we put fast foods on each corner, liquor stores and drug stores and gun stores and whole nine. How are these people's behavior going to begin to change? Because if you Absolutely. study, if you study history, uh, the times where the black uh, people, where the black people came together and built and did for themselves, had their own economic structure, their own towns, lawyers, doctors, etc. There was no crime. But when you put them in the project area and close proximity killing becomes a problem and, and close robbery and the starvation and the whole sector. So it's just a big experiment that was actually a government program and which is why they called it the project. But yeah, I didn't want to, I don't want to tamper your, your uh, show with conspiracy, what people would call conspiracy stuff, but it's just some, some historical facts that I learned along the way. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting though. What I like about this dialogue is it's the type of conversations that I think we should be having, I've been calling them conversations lately. You know, it's like, <laughs> let, let's like, 
let's just sit down for a second and kind of look historically at different things that could have created where we are now. Like anytime a parent brings a child to me, like a teenager that's got these problems, right? There's some here, fix my kid. My teenager's off the charts. I don't know what to do about it. It's like, I got to go back. I got to go way back and start looking at your parenting from when they were born to find out what's wrong with your kid. You know, like, I mean, that's the truth of the matter. It's not like I'm going to fix your kid. I need to go look at all the stuff that created the kid. (laughs) Um, And so I like to look at things that way. And I, and I, one of my biggest pains right now, and this is where my mouth's been running off a little bit is um, I really had greater hopes for people to use their mind, their God-given intuition and brain and insight and reasoning ability to look at this objectively. And, and all I'm seeing is a zombie apocalypse. That's, that's terrifying me, you know, like I really, it's, it's like this herd mentality, like this group think that's so dangerous in my mind, in my opinion. Yeah. See for, so for, for the black, for the black man and woman, um, we have never, even in the calmest times of history in this nation, we have never not had our, uh, the killings of ourselves from police officers or military or anything like that. What I would say is this. You have to remember that a lot of white people, some and all, um, don't have the patience and the or the intellect the intellectual fortitude to have a dialogue like this um if there were a million plus more of people like you then yes but i'll give you an example uh when i when i relaunched my chew on that show i reached out to a bunch of people that i wanted to be guests on my show um and it's interesting because um one one white person not going to say their name or what their gender were said, I'm sorry, I don't do nigger podcasts. What? Um, and, That's still a thing? Yeah. And so I'm I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, cool. But then I have you come on, then I have Santana come on, I have a whole bunch of other white women come on the show that are adding to the dialogue, that are adding to the information that is needed for everybody. But again, we can't have the dialogue with individuals who still have that mindset and wow. it takes it takes patience and 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 and, and calm versations uh to happen with people that have the intelligence enough to have those conversations you're so right see and this is and this and i'm glad that you bring that up because it's just not a world that i choose to live in and it's not that i'm naive that it exists but it just, I guess, hurts a little too much to believe yeah. that. You know what yeah. I mean? And then this is why these conversations, conversations need to happen. Exactly. Because it is still <laughs> reality. It is. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that you said, oh, that I wanted to circle back on, dagger nabbit. Now I'm forgetting. Oh, <laughs> shoot. I hate when that happens, but I lose it. I just start going in my mind. But, um, okay, so let me ask you this. I got my, my primary population here, right, is 25-54, skewing 25-44. We're going to do some Nielsen ratings talk. You, okay. you get these yes. women, 
primarily Caucasian from the USA. Okay. As a person in the field that you're in, light working, what 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 can you say to these women who maybe right now aren't aren't in that world they 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 can't understand how this is happening and they're struggling even to to just speak at all what what would you say to those people to those people who are afraid to have a voice because they don't want to offend somebody because they are good people who don't necessarily understand what's happening what would you say to them i would say that um first i would say that be patient with what you see um that's number one uh, which because the rape victim has a hard time explaining to an individual that looks like the rapist their trauma um and so be patient mm. in dialogue be patient be slow to speak quick to, it's okay to 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 be slow to speak don't not have a voice but sit down with some people of color some black women some black men who have the intelligence to explain to you the diaspora of our history here on this soil so that you can have a clear understanding of the backstory to realize it's not just the George Floyd or the past 10, 20, 30 years. We're talking, we're going back to 250 years, 350 years of trauma we have experienced on this nation. And yet you still have individuals, and yet you still have individuals like myself who doesn't have hatred in his heart towards the white woman or the white man that would love to sit down and have this dialogue. So one, have the patience to listen and understand that um, you're dealing with that kind of mindset when you're talking to us Black people who've, who've had our history stripped from us, our names stripped from us, our culture stripped from us, and have been given the culture of the Caucasian that has taken over what we call the United States of America. That's one. Secondly, I would say once you have that dialogue with the person of color, continue to have several more dialogues and then begin to express your feelings or your thoughts on the subject matter to learn as well as to give your perspective. And as you do that, you'll begin to grow and okay, sometimes it's not good for me to speak on this matter, but I do need to speak up on this. Or I don't understand this black man or black woman give me the answer of why this is going on or why are you responding this way or why do you feel this way? Um, for example, don't, and don't be afraid of us. Like there's so many times where I could be walking in a grocery store and I can see a white woman or a white man look at me and automatically assume I'm a thug <laughs> um, and be scared. <laughs> well, are to... you looking thuggish? No, I'm just talking about joking. <laughs> see, but see, joking. No, no, that's I'm, that's actually I'm hilarious. Not that, that, that's, I swear. I'm no, 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 you're good. I, I know I know you well enough. That, I, that that's hilarious. <laughs> you know, it's funny because because also you have black people who are not realistic about what's going on as well, and they're so you guys are crazy. Slavery was X amount of years ago, but no one's talking about slavery. We're talking about after slavery. That's number one. And and secondly, um, all the pictures that you see of black folks being lynched in America. 
being killed in America, being burned in the middle of the streets in America, had suits on or they had farm clothes on. They never had what we consider thug attire on. Um, and that's even the conditioning that we learned in our sojourn here in America. And so that that kind of dialogue needs to happen for the white women who want to express themselves. Um, you have to realize that your ancestry and even the elites of today have made it hard for you guys to really have a liberty to express yourselves. But don't be afraid to. Just don't do it on social media. Do it in real life with a person of color out of love and out of honor and out of a willingness to, to learn and listen. Um, because it's, it's, it's harmful for someone who's never been raped to tell someone who has been raped, get over it. Right. Right. But you can give guidelines. You can't provide aid for that person to be healed, but it's, it's insensitive to just say, get over it, or I'm not the person who did that to you. Oh, I like that. I like the analogy that you provided. I think that that's really insightful. Yeah. I like that a lot. And, and it puts it into a, into a mindset that people can really understand in a, in a simpler term. I like that. And as you were talking, I thought about that thing that I forgot earlier, which is, I don't know if you've done any reading on the blue church, but the idea is um, kind of what you're describing where, the elitists created a rowboat where everybody, there was an elitist sitting at the top of the rowboat and everybody has to kind of paddle the same way, um, including far left, far right, doesn't matter. The point yeah. is that we stay in the middle uh, yeah. because that's what keeps things moving the boat forward. And, 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 and with that, I think both sides have been told the story that they're allowed to believe. Yes. So, and, uh, yeah, that's powerful. And and also people have to remember that if you actually look at what goes on in your life as a white person, you're in bondage too. you. God has given us the, the he made this earth for us to travel, for us to multiply, for us to enjoy the land. Why do you need a driver's license to drive? Why do you need a passport to go to another country? Why do you need permission to use electricity or to use water or to, or why do you need your grass to look a certain way in a certain neighborhood? All these things that we look at as normal actually isn't normal. They're, they are, you are actually given liberty, which is different from freedom. Freedom. Liberty is I'm allowing you to do this and I'll take it wow. away from you when I want. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Because if, if wow. you don't pay your property tax, guess what? Bye your bye. house is taken. <laughs> but wait a minute. I own the house. Yeah, sure. Holy you think you do. Holy Yeah. Wow. Wow. Such a great conversation. I, I know you've got to go. I we we have to continue this dialogue. And I, I know we say this like loosely, right? But I really mean it. We've got to continue this dialogue. And I'm so thankful that you were willing to jump on with me at last minute notice. Um to have this conversation um, because I do, I do think it's so important. You, you know that everybody that's been on this podcast is a light worker in some way. And I'm just so grateful that you came on today, Randy, to, to, to start this dialogue with my listeners and certainly with me. I appreciate it. And, and I thank, thank you for allowing me to speak on your platform and the audience. Uh, you guys keep tuning into the show. This is an awesome show. It's an awesome platform. I support it. Um, and 
again, thank you so much uh, for everything that you're doing. We're bringing light workers onto your podcast and having calm conversations. <laughs> thank you so much. And I will see you offline for sure. Yes. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.